Hi guys, I'm the Impaired Grappler and welcome to my podcast. Today we have a very special guest, it's former Navy SEAL Jocko Willink, who's a New York Times bestselling author of the book Extreme Ownership, as well as the, the books Discipline Equals Freedom, A Field Manual, Way of the Warrior Kid, Mark's Mission and the upcoming book Dichotomy of Leadership. Uh, he's a podcaster with the popular Jocko podcast and Way of the Warrior Kid podcast, or the Warrior Kid podcast. Uh, his company, Echelon Front, uh, provides leadership solutions for businesses. So, yeah, in this podcast, we talk about order chaos, extreme ownership, uh, lessons from jiu-jitsu, uh, using jiu-jitsu in combat, his current mission, uh, where his values came from, his history of injuries and how he deals with them, uh, honesty, leadership, zero-gravity ju- zero jiu-jitsu, uh, his war with Krispy Kremes on Twitter, and the negative aspects of uh, news media. Uh, we also touched on uh, the Jocko Academy education and advice for people joining the military today uh, and how it differs from when he... Uh, from when he started. So, yeah, and we finished off talking about my jiu-jitsu history. So, hope you guys enjoy this podcast and we'll catch you on the other side. Us. Hi, guys. I'm the Impaired Grappler and welcome to my podcast. Today, we have a very special guest from his studio in San Diego at his Gym Victory MMA and Fitness. We have uh, Jocko Willing, who's former Navy SEAL, um, taking the podcast World by Storm with his with his uh, podcast, um, just the Jocko Willing podcast. That's great. Um, yeah, Jocko podcast. Jocko podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you've also got your uh, your Jocko Wati and your range of um, rashes and uh, stuff online. You've got your books, Stream Ownership, and the new one coming out. What's that one called? Oh, I got four books. One's called Extreme Ownership. One's called the Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. One is called, and then I got two kids' books. One is called The Way of the Warrior Kid. The other one's called Mark's Mission. And then I have a forthcoming book in the fall, which is called The Dichotomy of Leadership. The Dichotomy of Leadership. Yeah, because I've always been fascinated sort of with the dichotomy of human nature, um, good and evil within us all, and, um, you know, order and chaos. And you know, you've had Jordan Peterson talking mm-hmm. about that. So like, yeah. with regards to... Um, have you found order in times of chaos in your life, maybe before your time in the military? Um, if there's any examples of um, how you found order in times of chaos? Well, yeah, I was kind of a rebellious kid, and I liked doing rebellious things as a kid, and that was pretty chaotic. And then I joined the military, and that was pretty orderly until you know going into combat, which is chaotic again. And instead of trying to fight against the chaos of combat and make it orderly, it's better oftentimes just to capitalize on the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, um, I see in you sort of a kindred spirit in that, um, except I was got, uh, nearly joined the air force at the end of, um, well, year 12 back at, back in uh, Australia. But, um, yeah, I had the, I had a fear of uh, you know I didn't want to do the return of service obligation because I had a, a fear of oh, what if I failed and don't actually become a pilot and I'm stuck in the air, I'm stuck in the military and rather than 
uh, having the confidence back back then when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sort of went another route. Um, went to uni and uh, into the workforce and stuff. But yeah, right. um, yeah, I always wanted to sort of join the Air Force and then even got into aviation at university but wasn't able to afford it at the time. So I had to change courses. And so it was a bit of a – that was the last time I clarity in my life until sort of now when I started my podcast. That was the last time you what? Had cl clarity. Oh, okay. Like, you know, I was clear I wanted to become a pilot. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen in sort of like the last 20 years. Um, it's been sort of searching for clarity and thanks to, you know, podcasts like yours and Tim Ferriss and, you know, Joe Rogan especially – and even listening to sort of Jordan Peterson sort of helped me find clarity in my life. So it's like, yeah, I mean, thanks to you for that. Um, right on. Yeah. Uh, with regards to jiu-jitsu um, and jiu-jitsu within uh, the military, um, how, how has jiu-jitsu helped you? Uh, how has it helped you in, in military and how has military helped your jiu-jitsu, your military career? Well, jujitsu, I think, is something that helps you with all aspects of life because you learn to be a little bit more tactful in the way you operate. You learn to, instead of attacking problems head on against the most heavily defended positions, you learn to maneuver around those heavily defended positions and try and attack things from where they're weakest. And so that's kind of what jujitsu did for me. And you know, I learned the same thing in the military. You learn the exact same lessons. And I think jujitsu is the thing that tied together the military lessons with the combat lessons, with the human nature and dealing with personalities and leadership and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So jujitsu is very beneficial for me. Yeah. So do you think that you know, the lessons are universal no matter what you do, but jujitsu is just like an extreme example of... Um, Jiu-Jitsu, as well as um, war, is the, the most extreme examples of finding those lessons. Yeah, well, war is the most extreme yeah. example. And then Jiu-Jitsu is a really good one because it's pretty comprehensive. Mm. Okay. Um, with this being the Impaired Grappler podcast, I want to sort of touch on your, your history of injuries and what you've learned over the years dealing with them and if you do anything different with regards to your strategies or... Um, yeah, in terms of operations or whatever um, prevention uh, prevention modalities you use at the moment? Yeah, uh, you know, I had neck surgery. So I had, a, I had a neck that got jacked up from life in general. My life was not too caring for my body. And so, you know, I had a, a neck surgery. Uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got ding, I'm dinged up mm. um, like everyone. And I just try and modify the range of motion. If I have a problem doing an exercise at some certain point in time, I just do a modified range of motion of what I can do. And then I just work on extending it back out again. So, you know, I hurt my elbow um, a couple months ago. And once I hurt my elbow, you know, I couldn't do a, I couldn't ex lock out my, my um, push-ups. Couldn't lock them out. And so I just did the range of motion that I could do. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I think that's a fairly common uh, common thing that people um, with injuries in jiu-jitsu deal with. Um, with regards to uh, 
your experience with soldiers with PTSD and depression after um, after coming back from deployment, um, what um, what have you learned that that's beneficial to help people dealing with that PTSD and also depression just in general? Well, I think physical activity is something that's really important. I think being outside and working your body and I think when I had the first time I had Tim Ferriss on my podcast, which was podcast number 50, you know, he had been a suicidal guy Hmm. and not too many people knew that. And, you know, that was one of the things that he said is, you know, get into your body to get to get out of your head. And so I would agree with that. Um, I would say. I think I think jiu-jitsu is a great thing, but I think any physical activity is a good thing to focus on. And then the other thing is trying to help other people. You know, I think people get focused on themselves and they don't like the situation that they're in. But I promise you there's someone in a worse situation than mm. you are. And go find some of those people and help them and, and, you know, that'll make you feel better. And I think that's a good place for people that don't, that can't find a direction. You know, you talked about how you didn't have clarity. Hmm. And I think one thing I t- advise people is when they don't have clarity is to is to find somebody to help. And that's a good way to that's a good way to move in one direction. That's positive. Yep. Okay, fair enough. Um because I've found that um with regards to um because I've suffered from depression <laughs> I guess my whole life or my whole adult life, but um yeah, I've found that um, being a selfless person and giving too much energy to other people um, it's actually helped me to sort of practice a bit of selfishness and to sort of step back and um, not giving that energy to people that actually um, yeah that sort of take it um, and don't sort of give back if, mm. you, if you understand what I mean um, it's a bit uh, woo woo um, but yeah like in terms of, do you feel that like selfishness can be beneficial if you um, if you're not a selfish person, you actually practice selfishness, like to actually um, fix yourself and make yourself uh, a better person rather than worrying about the external. Yeah, well, you know, it's when people ask me about that, I, I say it's kind of like when you're on the airplane and the flight attendant says if the cabin depressurizes and the masks, the oxygen masks drop down from the ceiling, then you should put it on yourself before you put it on your kid. Mm. Because otherwise you'll go unconscious and you'll both die. Mm. So yes, you have to take care of yourself to the extent that you can still function and that you have something to offer to other people. Okay. Um, Is there any other virtues that are like necessarily regarded as uh, negative that you feel are beneficial? Qualities that are negative that are that are traditionally seen as neg- negative, but actually positive. Well, I, I don't know about that, but I do know that just about every quality that there is, you can go far too far in one mm. direction or the other. Yeah, you know, you can have a person that has. It's good to be confident, but you can be too confident. It's good to be humble, but you can be too humble. Mm. It's good to be selfless but you can be too selfless as you just mm. pointed out that is a, that is an extreme that you can get to so i think no matter the virtue that a person has they can go too far in one mm. direction or the other okay well when can um extreme ownership fail because like um I've, all, I've always been someone that has been sort of 
like for example, work for a family business and when something came up, I would just take the blame just to sort of let things go and just to move along because, you know, small little issues uh, don't really matter to me. And it's like, so, but I found like taking ownership of things that weren't your your problem, doing it too much, it um, wasn't actually helping the situation. Like I thought it might help the situation by the other person seeing, oh, okay, this person's gone out of the way to take my blame. But, um, yeah, if unless they're, if they're like negative people, they might sort of take advantage of that. Um, yeah, I was wondering if you could comment on that. Yeah, so if there's something wrong and you take the blame, it doesn't mean you just take the blame and you take ownership mm-hmm. of it and then that's it, it goes away. The problem doesn't go away just because you take ownership of it. Mm. You still have to go fix the problem. And that's why it is functional because if you take, there's some problem, you take ownership of it, you fix the problem. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the problem disappears just because you say, hey, it's my fault and I'll take ownership of it. And if there's someone that decides that they're just going to continue to let you take ownership of their problems, well, then that's fine with me too because eventually mm. I'll take ownership of their job and I'll take over. So, so I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. okay with doing the extra work and eventually, you know, there, you might, this is not to say that you will always immediately be gratified by recognition you won't, you don't do it for recognition. You do it. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the good of the mission. Mm. And so if that's the attitude that you have, you take ownership, you solve problems, you fix things. If you're looking, if you're doing it because you want personal gain, well, then it might not be the best thing for you. Mm. If you're doing it because you want the mission to succeed and the team to succeed, then it will absolutely help you. Now, what I can tell you is that in the long term, over time, if you take ownership of things and the team wins, you will win in the end too. So it will work out for you in the end if you have the patience. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, so right now, like, well, you're you're famous for your go-to submission being like the Kimura. Is that still your go-to? <laughs> I don't think I'm famous for anything in okay. Jiu-Jitsu at all. <laughs> Well, just like, is that your favorite submission right now? Or what's, do you have any favorites or just? I, I like Kamiras. Kamiras are a good submission. I like Kamiras. I like guillotines. I like foot locks and heel hooks and arm locks. And yeah, I pretty yeah. much like most submissions. And like you prefer to do mostly no gi, no gi grappling? No, I don't care. You don't care? Yeah, I've been <laughs> always done them both. Okay. Were, were there any concepts or even techniques, like um, you, I mean, you don't have to answer this, but they you actually used in on the battlefield. Any like jujitsu yeah. techniques? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. What is it? Was it more the concepts that you learnt, or? Well, no. You use you know you use jujitsu. You use rear naked chokes. You use kimuras. Mm-hmm. You use takedowns and trips and okay. controls. Yeah, you use you can use them all. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So like, and I used a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Was there anything that like you you used more more so than others? Any techniques that no, you found? No, it's all pretty quick. It's all mm. pretty quick. Yeah, and you overpower people and, and and it's all the basics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, mm. didn't do any plotters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for flying triangles yeah. and stuff. Yeah, didn't do any That's flying what, triangles. Fair enough. So, um, can you talk about what your favorite meal is? Sort of um, post mission or you know, like. Even post training, like a hard session, like what's your mm-hmm. favorite go-to meal? Steak, steak, mm-hmm. just by itself. 
Steak is fine. Steak's fine. <laughs> Steak is good. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so you you're uh, are you basically in the um, what, what is it? The carnivore diet at the moment, or like no, steak? I, mean, I eat. I mean, I eat other stuff, but you just asked if I had a preferred yeah, meal. Then steak, my preferred yeah. meal would be a, a big ribeye steak. Big yeah. ribeye, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Get some. <laughs> um, now, like since you've retired, are, are you at peace with the retirement? And and like sort of what 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 is your your mission sort of for the next um, for the next little bit for the next month or the next year or so? Well. I retired, and so I did 20 years in the military, and then when I retired, I moved on and looked for my next mission, and that's what I've been doing. Do, you, do I miss some part of being in the military? Of course, you. it's a great job, it's great people, it's a great mission, and you definitely, or I definitely miss part of it. I miss going overseas, and that's never gonna stop, I believe, because it's a hmm. just a great part of my life, and but I also don't dwell in the past, and so that's over. That, yep. that chapter's done. I'm on to the next chapter. And what I'm doing now, my mission, I don't know. My mission, I don't know if this is a mission, but what I do is I write books, make podcasts, and talk to people about the lessons that I learned in combat and try and pass them on. That's pretty much what I'm doing. Okay. Um, could you touch on the, the importance of honesty and um when you actually learnt the, um, yeah, learnt the importance of it, was there a, was it just something you you were always somewhat honest, or did you learn anything like uh, within at buds or within the military that? I, I'd say I learned about honesty from watching leaders that were that were dishonest and how easy it was mm. to see through their dishonesty, and so. Everybody knows if a leader is not telling the truth, everybody knows. Hmm. And so you just, as a leader, you look stupid when you do that. And I think that put me on the path of realizing that the best thing to do in situations is just tell tell people the truth about what's happening. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because I used to, even when I was a kid, I used to always tell the truth at the expense of my health. Like, um, I used to make myself feel sick. So I got out of going to school, which was stupid. But uh, I think later in life, um, with my arthritis, uh, I think there's a little bit of lactose intolerance may have been built up from there. So I'd have a high lactose meal, specific meal, and have stomach cramps for half an hour. And I'd get out of, I'd honestly get out of going to school that day. <laughs> but I'd feel fine after half an hour and mm-hmm. get the day off. But um, so that's sort of, it's not exactly honest, but it's sort of telling the truth. But yeah, anyway. Um, That's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get yeah. credit for honesty on that one, my no, friend. Okay. But, <laughs> but um, it was, yeah, it's always been, uh, I, I didn't like to lie. But yeah, and it's always been a part of me since I was a kid. I don't know where it's come from. But um, have you ever thought about, look, I think I saw something today. Trump was talking about the Space Command. Have you ever. Th- mm-hmm. Like just thought about low gravity jujitsu or fighting in space or um, yeah in low low gravity situations. It's a bit of a far out question, but well, no. The closest to that is uh, being in the water, mm. and so we used to play water polo, combat water polo, which yep. just meant that we would fight each other in the water mm. a lot. And basically, I wasn't really good at water polo at all, mm. but I was you know a jujitsu player, and so I would always go and guard the 
real water polo players and I would just, you know, do jujitsu on them and it, and it would work fine in, yeah. the, in the low gravity environment of the water. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not for them. It wasn't yeah. too awesome. Oh, well, cause like, yeah, it's, I heard they, they have to wear like shorter, they wear like children's speedos. So, because they keep grabbing each other's speedos on, under the water because, mm. so is that like you're holding guard underwater and what happens underwater doesn't really matter? No, see, there's a difference between what, when I say we played water polo, like there's the water polo that you're talking about, which is done by guys that are actually practicing okay. training in water polo. I'm talking about a bunch of knucklehead okay. idiots like me and my friends. But there would, in that group of 20 guys, there'd be two or three guys that actually knew how to play water polo. So I would just attack those guys. And there's rules in water polo, and I don't really know what they are, but you can't put a choke on someone, and you can't, like, hold them underwater for an extended period mm. of time and stuff like that. So with jiu-jitsu, even the low-weight environment, I could still get away with those things. And there was no rules, so mm. it wasn't like the, the, the actual water polo players in playing water polo would destroy me because mm. I don't yeah, know how to play water polo. Yeah. But when there's no rules and you could do a little jiu-jitsu, then, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's effective. Yeah, I've done some beach jiu-jitsu at a jiu-jitsu camp. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, like, all the underwater stuff. Um, have you, like, during your, um, since you started your podcast, have you had to work on any habits or anything um have you have you found any sort of ticks or anything that you that you do that um, you've worked on? To f- In terms of, um, oh, if you've seen yourself or heard yourself on a podcast and thought, oh, do I really do that? Um, is that you know? Oddly enough, I say a word too too many times. Or something sometimes like that. people say that when they hear their own voice when it's recorded, it doesn't sound anything like the way they think it sounds mm-hmm. and for me my voice sounds the way I think it sounds and it, I've never really practiced or been trained in any way to speak um, either on a microphone or in public but that's kind of what my job is now so I'm always trying to get better yeah well that's why like you're you got a literary degree mm-hmm. um, yeah and I guess that's helped helped with the podcasting now with with your you know you do a lot of research and a lot of writing for your podcast um, so I guess, that, I guess that's sort of um, helped you as well um, so what's the best version of Jocko and like and what do you do to and, and the, to not be the worst version of yourself because you know especially like I see on Twitter at the moment you got you're currently at war with um, Krispy Kremes um, yeah so the, you seem to be going back and forth with them which is pretty funny but yeah also um, it's very true as well um, but uh, yeah um, yeah so just is there a, a worse version of you that you that you can envisage and you stop and you like um, just try to be the best? Well, yeah, I think every decision that you make every day, all day long, every little decision could either make you a little bit better or a little bit worse. And I try and make the decisions that make me a little bit better and try and avoid <laughs> making decisions that are going to make me be a little bit worse. I always have a good time with donuts because I think donuts are... Well, they're an easy, bad decision for people to make. 
And so I try and get people to not eat donuts. Yeah, a lot of people instantly regret the donuts. Yeah, but, but it's all in good fun. Yeah. I don't take myself too seriously. <laughs> so, like, where did you get your values from? Like, did this come from your father? Like, a lot of your, you know, wanting to join the military? <coughs> Excuse me. No problem. I grew up in kind of a normal American household. Both my parents were school teachers. I listened to a lot of hardcore music and heavy metal music growing up. I joined the military in a very young age because that's what I always wanted to do. And then once I got in the military, I kind of observed the guys that I thought were squared away and I did my best to emulate their behaviors and that's sort of how I ended up with the values that I have. Yeah, fair enough. That's so sort of like self, you know, self-made. You surround surround yourself with people and like, yeah, like took advice from the leaders that that you saw worked well with you. And mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Um, I'll just my questions are a bit all over the place. Um, from all the reading you've done. Um, you read a lot of books. Um, is there something common that you've found between great authors and even just sort of great leaders and great people that you've met? Well, as far as books go, m most of the books that I really like are first-person accounts of war. And so that's a pretty harsh or a pretty high bar to set for people. And that's why most of the books that I read, there's only, they've only written one book, maybe two, mm. because it's the book about their experience at war, and some people are good at it. And then when you have a person that happens to be a good writer and they happen to have a, a, a interesting experience in war, then you end up with a really phenomenal book. And so that's well, the best books for me are those types of books. Yeah, so, well, so through all of those, through the books you've read and, like, understanding of history and, like, war and everything and your own experience in life, when you see, like, world events, like, on the news and stuff, do you, A, do you pay attention and B, do you look at it through sort of the lens of history, um, like like in the books you've read, um, or is it, um, or you're more sort of in the moment? I look at things through the lens of history. I look at things through the lens of leadership. I look at things through the lens primarily of human nature. And I think when I watch the news today, uh, I think the big thing that happens with the news today is people, in the news media makes everything to be amplified by a lot. And so the end of the world is coming, you know, at least two or three times a week. And I don't believe that the world is going to end this week and probably not next week either. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I'll just uh, finish up shortly. So just um, for if you were to teach someone like or be in charge of an education system, what, what would you f feel is the best way to teach people like in terms of like high school? Like would something like doing a... Um, doing a, oh God, what's the, I can't remember the term now, but 
um, doing some kind of service as part of your high yeah. school. I actually have talked about this on my podcast, taught, starting the Jocko Academy, where you would okay. you would get trained, you would you know you'd be responsible for things, you would learn jujitsu, you would learn sports, you would learn education, you'd you'd learn about history and all the all the hmm. different arts and sciences. Uh, you would learn practical things like how to change the oil in cars and how to hmm. repair engines and how to build houses and how to wire them and how to do plumbing. I mean, you just learn all the things mm. that you should know. Yeah. And I think the por- important part to go back to the educational piece, the knowledge piece, is one thing we don't do very well in America. I don't know how it is in Australia, but we don't do a very good job of tying a thread that together that unifies all of all of everything that you learn because mm. there's a string that attaches everything. It's all tied together. And a lot of times we just learn it in different chunks and you don't when you don't relate them to each other, you don't have the best comprehension that you should of that subject matter. And so that's what I would do. That's how I'd run a school. Yeah, we we all and we all learn differently. Uh, there's heaps of different uh, school modalities out there, but yeah. Um, so um, just finally, if so, someone um, that wants a mili- military career or think of joining the military, what is there any advice you would give to them? Like, is it and like, is it different today than when? Well, what differences are there today from from when you were training? Well, when I first joined the military, there was no war going on, mm. and so that was a big difference. Now, the Gulf War happened, but it wasn't the type of war where guys were getting killed on a regular basis. Mm. And so the guys that joined after September 11th in America, those guys knew what they were going to do. And so that, you know, took a different attitude and mindset. Now, I can tell you, I would have joined regardless, obviously, because that's what I wanted mm. to do. But the the guys going to the military now, you just need to recognize that you're going to probably go to combat. And that's, if you don't want to go to combat, then I wouldn't join the military. Mm. You know, if, if you want to get a paycheck for your education, you know, in America, they have programs where they pay for your college if you go in the military for four years. Like, I think if that's your goal, it's not the best idea. I think you should, if you don't want to go to combat or you can't at least deal with the possibility of going to combat, it's probably not a good idea. And But the other side of that is it's a great job. I had, the, I had a fantastic time in the military. You know, I had a great, great experience, great friends, and I wouldn't change any of it. Okay, sounds awesome. <laughs> All right, Norris, thanks a lot for that. Awesome, and, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. And thanks for having us. And, yeah. Yeah, All thanks right, for that, having me on, man. appreciate no worries, it. Sorry no we didn't get a chance to roll. No, that, that's we'll fine. have to do that next time. Yeah, next time for sure. How long have you been training for? Uh, it's probably been close to nine, ten years. Okay. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I did Japanese before that, but, mm-hmm. yeah. Just... Yeah, just how long did you train Japanese just jujitsu for? Uh, on off for probably two or three years. Okay, then I sort of did in a friend's garage for like a year. Then I went moved overseas for eight months. Came back and the um, well, it was in the guy's garage, so the gym closed. There was only a couple of us. And since I left, he had no one else to train, so it was um, <laughs> one yeah. student. Yeah, so yeah, but anyway, um, awesome. All right, thanks for having me on. All right, thanks for having. Having us here, and we'll catch you. Yeah. Cool.
Alrighty guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Jocko. Yeah, he's a real intense human being and I really enjoyed the experience. So thanks Jocko, it was a great pleasure to be able to do that. Um, Yeah, so if you enjoyed it, be sure to share, uh, like, follow, subscribe uh, and be sure to check out Jocko's links, uh, links to his new book coming out for pre-order as well as all his other books and his podcasts and his social media as well. Um, So next week we have uh, another special guest dr roddy mcgee in vegas so yeah we get into stem cells and yeah we had a good conversation as well so i hope you guys enjoy and we'll catch you later